Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to part two of our two-part episode with Kevin Crowder talking about his new album, Full Hand, which by the time you're listening to this, it will have been released a few days ago. So hopefully you've been listening to this album. We are going to go track by track through this album and ask Kevin a bunch of questions about each song, get a lot more behind-the-scenes look at each song on the album, and just a lot more details. If you call yourself a Kevin Crowder fan, which Andrew and I both do, I'd highly recommend listening to this entire episode because he just gives gem after gem of important information about the record. He just, I mean, the album speaks for itself, but Kevin can also speak for himself too. And he adds some helpful details that make the album even that much more interesting and that much better. So please listen. It's a great episode. All because of Kevin. We suck, but he did a great job. So now we're going to get into the track by track. So this is going all the way through full hand and we'll try to ask good questions, questions that we think the audience of your music, Kevin, will be curious about. Yeah. So let's get started. The first track is intro. Andrew, what are uh, your thoughts on intro? Yeah, so this is a great way of introducing the listener to the sound on this album. This album has a very specific feel and flow to it, and this track really prepares the listener for what they're about to experience on the album. I love also how it transitions into opportunity as well. So, Kevin, did you always know that you wanted to start the album out instrumentally, or was this added later to help with the feel of the album? So I wrote opportunity like two years ago maybe three and just like a year ago i made a new demo of it with different drums and that intro part added it was just that little key like something i was just messing around with and figured oh this would fit with the opportunity line you know if i just did this little instrumental intro thingy originally it was just going to be one song with you know a big long intro um, but then we decided probably be smarter to break it up just with the listing, you know, to keep opportunity a little shorter what, for whatever reason. So, yeah, it wasn't really a conscious decision to start the album instrumentally, but I definitely like how it happened and figured it'd be cool to start out with something fuzzy and big sounding, you know, something sort of anthemic feeling. So opportunity is I think it's a better song because of intro, which after you answering that question, it's kind of the same song, so it sounds less cool when I say that. I, I agree it's a better song now with the intro. There you go. I'm not a complete idiot. So as Andrew mentioned, intro sets it up so well, and the transition between the two tracks is like really sick. I think Opportunity, it kind of like hits hard for me, even though it's like, you wouldn't think like, oh, this is like a really hard-hitting track, but the intro i think sets it up so well it puts you in a space that when opportunity does come in it like hits hard so the title of 
intro I think is interesting in light of intermission. They're both like generic titles and create somewhat of a framework and structure for the track list. I guess my question is, did you ever think about or plan on adding an outro to, or was that never a part of the realm of possibility? Uh, no, not really. I basically, it's just kind of like, we made the decision. We'll cut the in the like the the first part of opportunity and make it an intro track. And we were like, "What do we want to name it?" And I just thought intro is fine. I don't really want to throw some random meaningless name on there. And yeah. then intermission seemed like a cooler word than interlude or instrumental. You know, it kind of has a sort of dinner theater feel to it with the the ambient people noise, the sort of like restaurant. Literally, we looked up. I wanted I wanted to go record some ambient noise at like a mall or something but ben was like you know we could just look up something online so we literally just downloaded like restaurant noise mp3 and just used that yeah i don't know I, I grew up doing theater and uh felt like a fun little way to frame the instrumental as, as an intermission between the album or whatever some little like treat concession before the, the show resumes you know so next we have opportunity Andrew, what are your thoughts on Opportunity? So I love the beginning lyrics on the song. The lyrics seem to be set in the morning, which seems to just start the album off on this idea of fresh ideas, kind of a fresh start to the day. And I think that the the piano that accompanies that intro is super gorgeous. Just the sound that it has, it's really beautiful. I also really love the walk-up on the guitars uh, that they do later in the song. It has like a legit 90s vibe going, and it's so good. So I love how the song also basically has this looped drum part, and the parts around it all change to keep the song feeling fresh throughout. Is this indicative of how you write songs, and maybe with kind of a groove, and then you just layer from there? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is the easiest way for me to write stuff is to set the drum loop phone and then just you know play some guitar, some keyboard over it, just over and over until I have it sort of ingratiated in my school and I can move on from there, you know? And also I just love the drum beat that I like sort of came up with for this song. and was like, yeah, I just want to have that the whole time. But uh, yeah. And I think that's something with like lately been really into like dance music and even like some shoegaze been really into shoegaze stuff since like high school or whatever, but like revisiting some of it and the stuff that is more in the vein of like the drum machine, like sort of repetitive, like a little droney, something I've been drawn to a lot. I wanted to introduce a little more of that that cool drum machine element, uh, that sort of like funky drum machine with the distorted guitars and whatnot. Um, that was definitely a vibe that I had found from like a few areas, some some cool songs from the '90s that I'd heard that I wanted to try and emulate. So again, the main piano riff is just so catchy. Lyrically and thematically, this song is kind of cyclical in nature with returning to the start and a lack of progress in the midst of these opportunities you have. And it ends in a bleak tone as with the last line in the shaking it off section as you end saying, now every chance I had is gone. Conceptually, it's quite interesting 
you placing this song as the first lyrical track, almost as if you're entering the record weathered, discouraged, and hopeless. Did you have any intentionality placing it first on the record of the normal songs from a thematic standpoint? And if not, uh, why was this song uh, first on the track list? Yeah, it definitely wasn't something that I was thinking about thematically. I think this song, just the way it felt, the way it hit, you know, uh, musically just felt like a good starter because it is kind of the most like it feels like a little like the most cathartic like just like heavy hitting song on the album and as far as the lyrics you know it's just like it feels like a really like almost bleak at the lyrics are pretty you know more a little bleaker than the rest of the album but it's uh i don't know i when i was writing those i think i was kind of coming at it from this mindset of like a just like over dramatic and sort of like, oh, what was me? Oh, oh, I'm lazy and didn't do what I was supposed to do. Oh, you know, that sort of thing. That's sort of like any any time I dip into some like over dramatic or sort of sad or bleak lyrics, it's always sort of me exercising that impulse to be over dramatic and that impulse to be woe is me, you know. And just putting it in a song, putting it in lyrics helps me to realize that it is over dramatic. Mm. It is, you know, and I think that's something that it serves the song in a way that gives a little more drama, gives a little more, you know, self-indulgence. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Next, we have Patience. Andrew, patience. What I lack for you, Andrew. Let's start. What are your thoughts? So I really love the long instrumental in this song. There's quite a few times on this album that it seems like you let the music speak instead of just filling the album too tight with lyrics. You change your melody and cadence throughout the song a lot as well, yet it somehow transitions just seamlessly with this. The drums and bass groove seems to be the thing carrying the instrumentals in the song, and you seem to be layering kind of the other instruments to feature a bunch of different sounds as the song progresses. So the question is, when writing a song in general, which usually comes first, your vocal melody or the instrumentals? It depends. For that one, it was definitely the vocal melody. The first thing I wrote for that song, I like came home one night really late. Well, I was helping my partner Demi and the roommate Joe. I was like helping move out of their apartment or something and I started singing the melody. Can't tell you I'm going I'm just having a little fun with it. That was the melody that got stuck in my head and I was just playing around with while moving stuff and like doing chores or whatever. And then like the next day I came home real late from something and picked up my guitar and started playing that verse that the just messing around in like an open tuning and came up with that guitar part and then singing the melody on top of it. I think that that was something I was like driving home from Chicago and had just been hanging out with some friends at their apartment. Yeah. I don't know. It definitely the, the lyrics and the melody were coming first on that one and it just sort of got pieced together and then, the instrumentation, you know, didn't really come about until I sat down and started playing it with a set of drum machine, just real simple Sugar Ray, like drum machine sound with an acoustic guitar. And I was like, okay, that's definitely a vibe that 
will really work for this song. And then basically once I had that, I was like, yeah, I think this will come together pretty nicely, you know? So, uh, this is for me, the happiest, uh, sounding song on the record, just from a overall feel standpoint. And it arguably contains the happiest lyrics as well. And, uh, For me, it's kind of like a response to the lyrics of opportunity with things never changing and with you kind of just saying, like, so deal with it. And you follow that line like I'm dealing it to me, which kind of, in my mind, creates this clever card imagery in light of the album title being called Full Hand. And uh, as you deal with it, you conclude the song with the chorus as you sing, that's my spotlight, that's my cool life, that's my baby, don't it look nice. Was there any particular moment in your life when you came to this like realization or feeling of contentment or gratefulness, this momentary feeling? Or was it more of a gradual process of just growing to understand yourself and your perspective and your surroundings a little bit more over time? Yeah, I think it's definitely more of the latter. And as far as those specific lyrics were concerned, I was kind of like, I don't know, I was feeling pretty cheeky about it when I was like really sitting down to sort of work on this song and write it, develop the lyrics a little more. Because I had the verse first i wrote the verse and was like okay i have these verse lyrics that i really like i'm not exactly sure what they mean specifically or where i should develop like how i should develop this lyrically into a chorus or tie it together because it kind of felt to me like this sort of defiant contentment with myself even though like i know i could be i could be really wanting more in many ways i do but like i don't know it's almost like me looking in the mirror and saying like fuck you you're happy or to some non-existent outsider saying like, oh, well, like, don't you want more? Don't you want something bigger and cooler and sexier or whatever? And and then just sort of responding and being like, no, this is what my life looks like. And I can be really happy and really content with it. Saying that's my baby. You know, I was just feeling cheeky. Like, yeah, I have <laughs> a partner who loves me and we're best friends and like, I don't need anyone else or whatever, you know, just sort of like this, uh, it's one of the weird indulgences I take in being from Indiana and living in Indiana. They're like, Oh, you're a musician. You live in Indiana. Why don't you move to New York? Why don't you move to LA? It's like, you know, maybe one day I will, I don't know. But for now, like, fuck you. I'm happy. I have a chill life. (laughs) I'm like way more stoked about the shit that my friends in Indiana do than most of the shit that I see from LA and New York or whatever. You know, it it sounds stupid and like kind of immature to be like, fuck you guys. But it's kind of fun, you know, stick your tongue out and be cheeky about stuff and like have a sort of defiant attitude to being like, well, my life is cool. I'm actually happy, like happier than I realized a lot of the time. So next we have surprise. All right, Andrew, surprise. What are your thoughts? So this song is amazing. I remember hearing it as one of the singles and going, damn, Kevin did it again. This song gets stuck in my head so easily. The vocal cadence mixed with the synths that kind of follow that same melody. It's just, I love this whole song. So good. And the song is somewhat poppier for you, Kevin, than normal, yet it's kind of just unapologetically you at the same time. So how do you practically go about changing up your sound like this while staying true to who you are? I don't know. I mean, 
in my mind when I was writing this song, I was like, okay, this is just like a full tilt shoegaze, like 90s, like alt rock kind of song. Like that's how I see it and that's how I conceptualize it. And that's the vibe I want to go for on this song. You know, even though there's 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 more to it that doesn't make it fully that. But yeah, I wanted this song to be a sort of like unabashed like shoegaze worship song basically (laughs) (laughs) so the first time i heard the song was uh live at your boston show with howdy and i was not only blown away but it got me so pumped for the new record which you said would be announced soon around the time of that show and uh soon after that surprise was released as a single and the album was announced The instrumental to close out the song is just so killer. And that riff, honestly, I want to talk about Surprise like it's special. But honestly, like all these songs get stuck in my head. But um, that riff just gets stuck in my head constantly. And I catch myself humming to it all the time. Lyrically, this song has arguably the most obvious examples of religious imagery used on the record. Do you still see the world at all through that religious worldview lens you might have grown up with? Or do you find you no longer see the world at all through any of those lenses and those are kind of behind you? I don't consider myself religious. And there was a time when I sort of walked away from religion that I was pretty anti all of that and kind of had to go through a process of reacquainting myself with spirituality and whatnot because I I, I do feel like a very spiritual person and and see the world through a spiritual lens, sort of, in in no specific way, I guess. I don't know. Including that imagery was just something, you know, it's been a part of my life forever, you know. And it's just sort of like imagery that I've already framed a lot of my life and my worldview through. So including it in the lyrics is just kind of like just felt natural to like me tackling that and examining where I stand with that, you know. Next we have Cat. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Kept? Yeah, so the song reminds me a bit of Toss Up in just its approach to the time signature. You have always done a great job with changing up time signatures or even finding unique ways of writing inside a more common time signature. So the song seems to kind of jump around 3-4 a lot to create a lot of different cool grooves and feelings during the song. Do you kind of like writing in weird time signatures and is that something that kind of comes naturally to you or you kind of push yourself to kind of explore weird time signatures or just different grooves within a standard time signature it just depends on what i'm messing around with at the time and that one was like uh i was in a three four time and playing this guitar line that that main guitar line uh and the, the main drum beat that you see in the beginning and the guitar line was all i had when i wrote this song and then when we got to the studio, Ben was the one to say, hey, let's put a drum machine on top of this and give it more of that groove, which just totally put it onto the next level. And from that, I was like, yeah, this is my new favorite song. But yeah, originally it was just kind of that. 
I don't know. I listen to a lot of music from like around Africa and South America and whatnot. And the rhythmic impulses of that area is very different from Western music and Western pop music, especially. And, you know, the first instrument I learned to play was the drums. And I always love banging around on a, on a hand drum or whatever um, and just tapping and kind of like when I'm bored, I'll tap with my fingers and trying to come up with some weird rhythm that is like a little idiosyncratic and it's just like, you know, just sort of a brain game or whatever. So I'm, I'm really music that employs like, at least in the Western sense, non-traditional rhythms and, and whatnot. So yeah, I don't know. It just depends on what song I'm, I'm messing with at the time. And that one was one where I was like, yeah, I want this one to sound a little funkier, I guess. This was the hardest song for me to come up with a question for because it's so mysterious. Yet, despite being mysterious, it's also straightforward in its own way. And my question's not only about Kept, but also the rest of the tracks. On full hand, was it difficult for you to capture the feelings instrumentally that you presented lyrically with each song? Or was it more of a natural process capturing those feelings? Well, yeah. So, like, the lyrics and the feel of each song sort of interplay together. And they both sort of influence each other when I'm writing a song, because it could it could go either way. I start with some lyrics, start with some melody that I start singing and putting some lyrics over and think that would be nice to have in a song, something to explore. And then when I sit down and start writing it, you know, I'll frame what I play around that, or you know, I'll start playing something that sounds like a cool song, and then think like, oh, what what could I sing over this that feels like it fits, that feels like it serves the song, or for instance, with Kept, the guitar part that I was playing was very something I didn't want to burden too much with being overly verbose or something. I, you know, it felt like a song I wanted to keep really simple and direct, but also not obvious, nothing really specific, but just sort of like this, just a really simple sentiment that I can express concisely that I think the song sort of lends itself to. Next, we have Intermission. Andrew, uh, Intermission, what are your thoughts? So I love the length of this intermission track where a listener might expect an intermission or an interlude track to be like a minute or two. This is over four minutes long and it's the second longest track on the album, which creates plenty of time to change kind of which instrument is featured and add so many different cool layers on the song. So on Toss Up, you have an instrumental track named Restless halfway through the album. Now we have another instrumental halfway through this album, and both are incredible tracks on each album. So can you talk about what what makes you enjoy putting instrumentals halfway through the album and what it does for the feel and flow that you're going for? Yeah, I think this one, it's not exactly that I will start making an album and think it needs it okay, this album needs an instrumental. No, you're pigeonholed, Kevin. The next album has to have an <laughs> instrumental right smack dab in the middle next time. I'm doomed to repeat it. But no, I mean, you know, I when we started doing this one, this is a, a song that I, just the drum beat and the piano thing was something that I recorded a little iPhone recording of me playing the piano part over this drum beat that I made on my phone. 
and that's all I had. And I, I was thinking maybe I'll make some lyrics for this. Maybe I'll make it into a full song, but it also felt right to just keep it this sort of repeating thing. And it wasn't until, you know, I brought it in the studio that me and Ben were able to see like, okay, where could this go sonically? And basically I, I just wanted to make like a, a techno song or like a house track, you know, just sort of <laughs> like that. I, I wanted to make a, a, an instrumental song and it was just like, yeah, why not put it on the album? Good excuse to do it in a studio, I guess. So Kevin, you've, this is my only question, I think, right? I have two questions and you've already answered both. So my, fir- my first question was, was it always set out to be an instrumental or was there a, maybe a point where you thought it would have lyrics or not, which you answered? And then the other question was about the conversations going on in the background. So I just applaud you for being so thorough. And I'm just going to say something and uh, we can move on. I just love your use of piano on the album as a whole where you do so much at least on toss-up there's a ton of production and even on full hand there is a lot of production but that juxtaposition between like the authenticity of just a normal piano combined with some other production elements or some sense or like you said some drum grooves or whatever i think just creates this really cool feel for the album having both that very produced side of it, but also just this very stripped back and natural side to it. Yeah, I uh, I mean, at the studio at Russian Recording, they have this beautiful grand piano, this baby grand piano that just sounds incredible. And I think just having that there and being able to use just a really good sounding piano was just something I was stoked about. You know, I have a piano here at my house. I live with my parents and we've had this piano in our basement for as long as I've been alive that... I practice on a lot and mess around on and you know that was what I used to come up with that piano part in the first place so I kind of knew I wanted to keep the authentic piano sound in there. Awesome. Next we have Pretty Boy. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So I love the electric guitar tone and part throughout. It's mostly just kind of low bar chords, but it really has such a great feel to build off of. For me, Pretty Boy is the most toss-up sounding track on full hand, especially in terms of, of your cadence, vocal delivery, and the overall pacing of the song. So it makes sense why it's the first track released to help listeners with the transition into the new record. So when was this track written in relation to the tracks on Toss Up? Well, I think this was the first song that I had written knowing it would be on a new album. You know, as I had said, like Opportunity, I think, is the oldest song, like the song that I wrote earliest. But Pretty Boy was the one I like I started writing it right as Toss Up was coming out, basically, or like after Toss Up had come out, I was, you know, one of the first things, one of the first new songs I sat down and started working on one of the first demos of a new song I had made since Toss Up. So I think it naturally just carried a similar vibe to what I had already been making, but also felt very new, felt 
like a, a new direction that I was ready to explore because it kind of does have this the guitar line feels kind of like a like an Alex G song or just like a Elliot Smith type of like emo bar which is something that I tried to for a long time I tried to steer clear of but then as I was working on that one it was just something I just started playing just came up with and was like you know what yeah that sounds a little emo whatever but I'm into it and it's something I want to you know, explore. It feels like what I'm just naturally drawn to, at least in this time of life, you know, it's something I'm big on, something I've always been big on. But like I said, for a long time, was like trying to steer clear of trying to not feed that impulse and, and think differently about things. But I think just coming back to it and realizing like, oh, this is actually a, a vibe that I really fuck with and uh, feels really good to write songs and play on guitar. And that was like, you know, that song's in open E tuning. And it was like, at that time, I, I was just messing around with open tunings a lot more and figuring out new chords to play and like new ways to come about just messing around on guitar, you know? Yeah. So now that you mentioned the Sandy Alex G comparison, it's like unavoidable for me now that you mentioned that. Almost like it sounds different from like, obviously it doesn't sound like anything he has, but like it also, that feeling I can feel like, uh, you know, do you know a song Gretel? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like those two, those two songs kind of like have a similar, I mean, yours, it sounds way happier, obviously, but yeah, that feeling is so cool. So again, you're just answering all my questions, Kevin. You're screwing me over. I was going to ask, was it just going to be a one-off single or was it definitely going to be on the next record? But you mentioned that. So I'm just going to ask a different question. Was this always going to be the first single for you or did you kind of think, oh, I might want to do a different track for that first single? I don't know. It was definitely the first one that like was finished. And I think because it was the oldest, it kind of felt like, yeah, I should probably just release this one first. You know, when we started working on the album, we like started all the songs at the same time, started tracking and mixing and whatnot. And yeah, this one was like, I think we went into it knowing like it would be nice to have one song finished and ready to release soon before we announced the album, before we finished everything up. So this one was just like just the easiest one to finish up. And the one that felt like good enough as it was, you know, there was part of me that was like, man, it's pretty simple. You know, it follows sort of like a similar dynamic the whole time. And I, I was worried a little bit. I was like, man, maybe it's a little too simple. Maybe it's a little boring because I thought it was like maybe a little boring. I don't know. But, you know, once it was out, people, you know, really responded well to it and would tell me, you know, that they really liked it. And there was a time where I was thinking maybe like, Maybe it doesn't exactly fit on the record because it does sound pretty different from the rest. But in the end, it was like, yeah, I mean, why not keep it on the record? Even though it was released with no like record mentioned, you know, just a, just an open single, you know. So when you had released Surprise and Green Eyes, especially after I heard Green Eyes, I was like, neither of these songs really like sound like pretty boy like they're just they do have a very different feel even though obviously surprise and green eyes are extremely different from each other too they still kind of felt like they work together in a more natural way to me than pretty boy and me and my friend who's a huge fan of yours his name's kevin too we're kind of just talking about like how important is it to put your best songs forward like regardless of whether something like perfectly makes sense like if you wrote a good song, it should go on the record and that, and I'm not trying to say it doesn't fit, but like, is that at all like a part of your thought process in the sense that just like, it's a good song and like, 
even if it feels a little bit like an outcast, it's like still significant to have on the album? Yeah, I don't know. That's definitely something that, like I was saying, for a second it felt like, you know, Pretty Boy has a pretty different vibe. Maybe it doesn't exactly make sense. But yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of like, it's a song that I wrote that I'm proud of. Why not? have it be part of it and the same for any of like the other songs you know i kind of knew going in that all the songs that i had written that i was ready to record were pretty different from each other and i knew it was going to be some jumping around but that was something i was kind of like excited to do and excited to make an album that i can show off different parts of myself and what i like to write what i like to play and the kind of sounds that please me at least for you know me personally it feels like it's me making the music and uh writing and, and conceptualizing this stuff i try to give myself a little more freedom than i would with a band with other people's input i feel like i have try to afford myself a bit more freedom of just exploring different things and not being really worried about whether or not they fit perfectly together definitely next we have piper I Andrew Piper. So you can tell right away with this song that it's one of the most unique songs on the album. It's carried by synths and the vocal, and I really love the guitar, the electric guitar that comes in towards the end. It really helps build the song beautifully. The chord structure is also beautiful, and I really love the slap back delay on your voice in this song. It's just really cool. And rarely on your songs do you have crescendos, yet on Piper you do. From a thematic point, do you feel like the crescendo is almost a buildup of frustration? Yeah, I think so. And it was sort of like this song didn't have that when I demoed it, when I recorded it. It was, you know, really sort of static vibe the whole time just stuck with because i recorded the first demo on my iphone it was on this organ that was at my partner demi and her roommate joe's apartment that this old organ that joe had that they would let me mess around with and it had like the funny sounding drum machine with the auto bass notes and whatnot so that was something i just sort of like was messing around with and recorded a rough like skeleton of like a song structure with that with no lyrics or anything and then recorded some vocals like threw it into garage band and put some vocals on top of it and uh i was you know kind of wanted to keep it in that sort of like hushed lo-fi like spacey honky tonk kind of feel just the dum 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 you know that kind of that feel definitely influenced how it came about making the lyrics and the melodies and whatnot although the melody for the verse is this this melody that i've had stuck in my head for a long time that I didn't know what kind of port chords to put it over, you know, something that I sort of had in my back pocket that I was able to just throw on top of it that ended up working really nicely. And um, when we started working on it in the studio, I had messed around with that guitar thingy before going in and thought that would be something cool to add to it when I really work on this song. And then from there, it was just kind of like Ben had this really awesome keyboard called a Krumar that had these those string sounds and those that build up all the, the swelly string sounds and whatnot, that, that synth sound that you're hearing is like this this old keyboard that Ben had that we were just messing around with. And we kind of just started adding more and more 
and it was like, man, this could actually really go somewhere. And we were kind of came to this point where we're like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's, you know, commit and make this sort of like the twin peaksy kind of moment of just this big sort of drastic buildup that seems to come out of nowhere. And when we made it and when it was recorded, you know, it like gave me that sort of goosebumps feeling that was like really mm. fun. That's like, cool. You know, the song could have just been a really simple, short little track, but I think adding that, you know, just a fun thing that we decided to go for and just commit to. And I think it's like my favorite song on the album now, just because of that. Yeah. So for me, this is a song that's grown on me the most of all the tracks on the album. The first time listening, it kind of felt bare, obviously, as during the first portion, especially. But for me, I don't the way I listen to music is like and maybe this isn't unique at all. But when I know a song well, I don't just listen to the part I'm listening to, but I listen to it thinking about what's coming next and kind of view it in context. And so that first part, like I love the bareness now because I know where it's going, you know, and I I love the how it all comes to fruition and not that bareness is bad or like simplicity is bad. But I just think you made a really great choice with the giant swell there at the end. And um, my question is, I can't help but asking. It's kind of a dumb question. And yet I might be right. Was the song named after the kind of uh, pipe organ type thing you used? Or if not, what is the story behind the title? The title comes from the name of the organ that I was using to record the little thingy. And like I was saying, yeah, I, I recorded the first demo on my iPhone. We ended up just using that throwing it into Pro Tools and mixing it in. So what you're hearing, that everything you're hearing in the first part of the song, other than the vocals, was recorded on my iPhone. And uh, yeah, the name just comes from the organ that I was using because uh, I didn't really have a, I don't know. Sometimes I like to think of titles that are like, you know, represent the song thematically, but every now and then it's like, whatever, I'll just name it something weird. And that seemed like that one was fitting because I like the word Piper. It's like a cute word. It's a great choice. Speaking of track names you put some thought into, I'm guessing the next track, Full Hand, will be one of those. Let's go. Andrew, full hand, title track. Let's go. Yeah, I really love the song. The lyrics paint a really beautiful landscape for the song to build around. I really love the synth that's repeating the melody of Time to Reveal My Full Hand. This is obviously the title track. So my question is, did you write the song and then decide that the album should be named after it? Or did you have the album title and you wrote a song to kind of fit into that album title? Yeah, it was definitely the former. Originally, I wanted to name the album Patience based on the other the song with the same name. But then I saw that, that that band Mannequin Pussy from Philadelphia released an album called Patience like a week after I had decided that's what I wanted to call it. <laughs> that's actually a really good uh, album, so too. I, yeah, that band is sick. But uh, yeah, I think going with Full Hand just made a lot of sense. And this, you know, when I recorded this track, it didn't feel like a title track. You know, it almost felt like kind of an outlier because it's uh a little more kind of like pretty boy a little more just like a straightforward like indie song soft indie song whatever it's, it's kind of funny that this song 
is is the title track now because it doesn't really feel fully representative of the whole album but definitely that you know the lyrics mean a lot to me and i think reflect a good amount of the sentiment that comes through on the rest of the songs so the acoustic guitar on this track is just so pretty and the ending is so weird and it's such a great dichotomy with this track like what it turns into and what it transforms into and it it's just so weird. Every time I listen to it, the ending, like, it just hits hard, despite being, like, totally out there and totally unique. When you wrote this, did you always have the ending in mind, or was that something you added after the fact? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of... When I wrote the song, it was very simple. It did not really... I didn't really have that in mind when I was just writing it, you know? And that was another situation where me and Ben were in the studio, just kind of, like, had this nice sounding song, and then, like, you know rub our hands together and be like, all right, how can we fuck it up? <laughs> how can we make it weird? So I feel like that's an impulse that I have and with with everything I do, you know, just kind of be like, okay, how do I fuck this up a little bit or make it weird and a little more interesting, you know, just to serve my own self-indulgence of like, I, I would like it to be something a little more interesting or whatever. But yeah, we had a really good time messing with that ending part, kind of like I was obsessed with those first two Chris Cohen records. I didn't really get a chance to listen to the latest one or I think there's like two new ones now since the first two, but I don't know. That kind of was a, a vibe that I was going for, just dipping into the sort of psych rock kind of sound, um, mm. which is, uh, you know, I had a period of my life where I was really into the sort of psych rock feel. It's something I don't really listen to now, but, you know, it's still a vibe that I think is fun to employ in small ways. And, you know, it's it's fun to sort of look at a song and be like, okay, how can I reframe this in some weird, concise, little brief moment that's, you know, just offers up a little different change of perspective on this seemingly straightforward and kind of simple sounding song. Awesome. Next, we have Treasure. All right, Andrew, a word that does not come to mind when I think about you, treasure. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so I think the song has the sickest groove. I just, I freaking love the whole feel and flow of this track. I love the piano on the song. It's just super beautiful. The song also has my favorite instrumental on the album. I really just love how the song is okay to have a long instrumental and not feel rushed or anything. And for the track being only three minutes and 43 seconds it feels uh longer because of that kind of approach to the song so my question is how did you build this song specifically from the ground up well i had the piano part kind of like those first the dun, 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 something i was messing around with for a minute and then this might have been a different song but i think it was treasure the drum beat was a different beat I had that I like accidentally like double timed the tempo for and was like, oh fuck, that sounds sick. So I was like, okay, that'll work with this piano part and kind of like have that sort of break beat thing. Like I was saying, I've, I've been listening to a ton of like house music and lately been getting really into like UK garage sort of drum and bass type of that sort of thing. And that was something I was really trying to kind of employ. And yeah, as far as like the sort of long outro thingy is like, 
I had written the two verses and then the chorus thing and thought I could write another verse and do another chorus, but also, like, why not just go straight into some, like, big, like, really feel-good sort of, like, anthemic build-up thing. And that was, you know, a conscious decision to sort of keep it open-ended feeling, but also sort of, like, give it some finality with, like, the major chord, the dong, that sort of thing. So this song is just so damn cool, and my mind is blown almost every time. How you combine your vocal melodies with the instrumentals is just so creative. And what I was about to say is, as much as I'm bummed the chorus only happens once and wish it was repeated at the end, I've tried to be understanding and wondered, was that a thematic choice in light of the lyrics of the track? If not, what make you decide to only have it once? And you kind of answered me there. Was there any thematic side of it as well with the lyrics and uh, this theme of treasure or was it strictly just the instrumental i don't know i definitely liked how i made the chorus and it felt like when i wrote it and when i was fleshing it out on my own it kind of felt like the kind of thing that i should only sing this once you know Mm -hmm. it felt like i could follow a more traditional pop structure and do the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. And that's something that I do employ a lot of the time, but it's also, I try and make a conscious decision to think differently and about things and come at it differently. And that's just one example of me just feeling like, you know, I think the verse, how I have it, and the melody and the lyrics that I've come up with, everything, it feels right to only do it once. You know, it feels right to just have that one thing, you know, because just personally, it's, spent a lot of my time as a songwriter thinking that like that's not a full song you know or like a full song has to look like this which you know in reality it could be anything it could look like anything and outside of the western pop structure it does look very different and so just kind of allowing myself to have some freedom in that is fun and something i definitely like consciously tried to capture well and i think one effect that ends up coming from it is When the chorus comes, and I mean, I love the whole song, but I really savor listening to the chorus because, I don't know, it it creates this different type of feel where you can't just like pull a mighty to save and phase out knowing it's coming back at the end. Like, you really have to pay attention and like listen but i just love what you end where you end up taking the song and i think it not that it's risky but even though that it's unconventional as you said in a western sense you pull it off extremely well and it's just an absolutely incredible song this this was the song where i probably smiled the most listening to it just like constantly like impressed and like ooh, and like making weird noises like that the first time i heard it and even now I agree. When I listen back to this song, there's a lot of it that I'm like, oh, sick. And all of that is Ben Lemonstein. Like, straight up, <laughs> like, the outro. The way I had written the song with the chords in the outro was very simple. And the demo I made for it was way more simple and, like, had the long, anthemic, feel-good, like, outro thingy. But basically, I, I told Ben, just, like, dude, just, like, do whatever. Like, flex as hard as you can on this song. Because I knew he was going to make it sound sick. And how he came up with everything and, you know, just sort of the on-the-fly decisions that we came up with together, that bendy guitar, the that thing was something I came up with while he was working on, like, editing stuff in Pro Tools. I was messing around on guitar and was like, hey, I have this thing that I think would sound cool on the end there. And there was a lot of spontaneity that went into all the little sounds, like the details of that song that 
we had a lot of fun with and Ben really snapped on. So yeah, I just gotta I gotta give credit to him for a lot of that. And most of the album, all the, the, the small cool details like I mentioned earlier, it's like that's all him. He is just like just crazy. He has his his brain is just on another level. It's very humble of you. And also as an artist, you wanna pair up with people who you have faith in and who you respect and love as a musician. And sometimes taking the back seat and letting that ego go, being like, well, I want this to be all me. And like, I'm an incredible musician and whatever ideas I have need to be focused on and need to be the main focus. This project isn't called Kevin Crowder for nothing. I'm not saying that you're tempted to do that, but for most people, there's this temptation to go that way. And you end up having a lot better of a product when you're humble. Exactly. I mean, being able to let go of that and be like, oh, wait, I actually don't have to worry about everything. And when I do let someone else take the reins and put my faith in them and allow them to contribute as much as they want to, it can produce really sick results. And I know with working with Ben on Toss Up and then working on the this the rest of this album, I knew, you know, I had full faith that he could do something really sick with it and um, be generous with his input and uh, his creative impulses, which I love. So, yeah, it's 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 just way more fun. You know, if, if I were the type to just worry about everything being, you know, my way or the highway, I think I would have way less fun. I'd probably be way more depressed and my music would suck. <laughs> I don't think it would suck, but I mean, I have no way of verifying that, so it, it might suck. All right, next we <laughs> next we have green eyes. Andrew, you brown-eyed son of a bitch. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Sorry, I, I I will answer the question. I just gotta stop laughing. <laughs> so, Kevin, once again, you're able to change your groove within a pretty straightforward timing. So many different ways in the song, and it's it's truly a gift, man. Really awesome. And I love the beginning synth sound in the song that plays throughout. It's like this very watery and really full kind of synth sound. I love the way that the guitar and bass play off of each other in the song. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Once again, Ben Lumpstein on the bass. Yeah. Just, just flexing really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just got to throw that. Any of the cool poppy clap stuff, that's all Ben. Nice. Yeah, he killed it. Yeah, and I really love the guitar solo in the song. I think that some people's tendencies with guitar solos is like, let me find the highest and most piercing notes for the solo and just like show off. But I love that that any time that you do a guitar solo, it's much more for texture and for feel, and it's like an extension of the melody itself. And so it's actually using pretty low notes in the song comparatively and it kind of works its way up but it's i just think it's such a great uh, it's almost like a master class on teaching someone how to write a guitar solo that fits and it's not just like showing off and i think that's awesome yeah well the thing is is that i can't show on guitar <laughs> i can't solo for shit 
anytime I have a guitar solo, there's probably like two hours of me sitting down to actually like work it out note by note. Because when it comes to improving on guitar, I am just absolutely hopeless. But yeah, writing that guitar solo is really fun. That kind of answers my question. I actually was going to change my question to more like you talk about your approach to guitar and guitar solos. So if you have anything else to add, go ahead. Yeah. Anytime something sounds like I'm just riffing or like on the fly, it's totally not because I think I'm good at guitar and I'm confident in my abilities to play guitar, but I'm not a shredder. That's for sure. Because I know lots of shredders who can bust a solo on the fly and it's like totally sick. But unfortunately, I'm not at that level. So anytime there's something I'm, I have to sit down and really work it out, which is fun. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to like go note by note and know exactly every time I play it live, I play the exact same thing, you know, and it's just sort of like just another melody kind of, like you said, it follows the melody of something that I knew I wanted to have something, something slinky and, you know, low and kind of growly sounding, but then like a little like hollow notes, like sort of, yeah. So this song sounds like someone wasn't a good friend to you and you don't want to be friends with them anymore. That might be an oversimplistic view of the song. But I know you've talked about the importance of your partner Demi and your friends as support for you. How much easier is it in a situation like losing a friend or trying to deal with or process shortcomings and a lot of just wrestling with these themes on the album how much easier is it to process them and wrestle with them when you have good friends that you know are there for you and will unconditionally love and support you you know it's it's still hard and it's definitely something like it's easier for me to write songs about something i'm happy about you know something i'm a little more hopeful about you know the rest of my lyrics are pretty positive or at least have a little more of like a altruistic outlook or something. Whereas this song was sort of like, sort of details the end of a relationship I was in that ended really poorly and caused a lot of just confusion that I've held onto and have been processing since, you know, what it looks like to lose someone close to you in your life through splitting up and, and breaking things off and deciding not to communicate anymore and like how much you owe to that situation and like the guilt that is apparent there that I'm, I'm not perfect in this situation. I made a lot of mistakes in this situation, but I also, I have to be me. I have to be true to myself and, you know, overcoming the guilt of that was something that everyone deals with whenever that happens. And I think, you know, it was just sort of a way of me being able to finally contextualize that in, in some lyrics in a poetic way without being too open about it because it's something I'd, I think I'd wanted to write about for a long time and wanted to examine and uh, really investigate poetically, but wasn't really able to for a long time just because I didn't exactly have the words to, to do so. Thanks for sharing, Kevin. Next, we have the closing track, Have. All right, Andrew, what are your thoughts on how? Yeah, I really love the chord structure on the song. It kind of starts out maybe a little bit more standard, 
But then there's some really interesting chords that are added for texture as the song progresses. And the song seems to wrap up the album really well, especially lyrically. Just as you started the album with talking about the sun coming up, you mentioned the sunset in the song, as if this whole album is either one day or the idea of a day, which is a start to everything. And now this is obviously the end to the album and the end to that day or that some of the ideas that you're able to unpack throughout the album. I think the ending with a track like this brings perspective perspective to the earlier tracks and kind of your personal journey in writing this album. So can you talk about this song and why you felt like it would be a good track to end the album on? Yeah, I think this song this song has the most Planet Earth National Geographic sort of nature documentary feel to it in my mind where I kind of felt and I wrote the chords and the music first before any of the lyrics you know I had a melody idea that that I wanted to do but I didn't have words for it yet and you know I may be answering a question ahead of myself here but that first lyric of is that me at the wheel on a highway on the earth it's just kind of like like looking at myself in like a nature documentary like here we examine a wild Kevin Crowder like (laughs) what is he gonna do why do it you know that kind of thing. So it felt big, you know, it felt atmospheric and it felt like a nice, pretty big sounding song to just kind of let everything land on, you know? So what an ending to the album. I don't know if you could have written a better closer. And this song is just a spectacular track and ends the album in a a way that's true to the rest of the lyrics and the rest of the themes. And One thing I noticed is how isn't a word in the lyrics for the song? And I was wondering, like, okay, like, why did he choose that track name? And I was wondering if it's kind of like a response to the hoping that you do in this track and just like wondering how that hope will come to fruition or come into being because it seems impossible, like you've mentioned kind of throughout the record. If that's not what you were going for, I was just wondering what went behind the track name for How. Well, it's not exactly a lyric, but there is part of the song where I go, How, How. It sounds like I'm saying How. Oh. Oh, that actually kind of works. Call it how, you know, because it actually kind of fits with the framework that, you know, writing the lyrics is just sort of a big question of like, you know, what's the deal? (laughs) Well, and that sometimes when we're given information about art, we don't like listen as intently for ourselves. And I think this is a good example where I didn't listen as intently to like pick that up because when I was thinking through lyrics, I had the lyrics in front of me and they weren't there. And just like the need sometimes to just like dismiss some notions and like expectations or whatever and really just like dive deeper into a song and take it for what it is to be able to hear and pick up stuff like that. But that's really cool. And I'm going to obviously hear the song completely differently now, recognizing that. Right on. Hell yeah. So as we close the interview, we're just each going to share our favorite song, which is what we usually do. Kevin already might have said his. We're just going to give him a few seconds to make sure he wants to go with that track he mentioned earlier. So, Andrew, you go first, and then I'll go second, then we'll let Kevin go. Yeah, this is a really, really hard album to pick a favorite song because, first of all, there's no bad tracks, so there were no easy ones to dismiss, like, oh, not that one. And there's some ones... I mean, there's just such a range to the album, so, ah, I don't know. I'm going to go with Treasure. I just... I really like that song. Right on. All right. 
I like hate going with like the lead single with my favorite track because it's like too obvious. Like, of course, the artists love that track. That's why they put it out first. And that's not always the case in every situation. So I like tried to not pick this track, but I couldn't not pick this track. And for me, it was just Pretty Boy. And I think it's because it's just such a pure song. And it's a song that for me, it's just this great combination of who you are now with your range of influences from the past as well as your new stuff. And it kind of covers both toss up and full hand. And then just like, it's hard to find a catchier song in recent memory. Like, and I'm not trying to be like hyperbolic when I say that. It's just incredibly catchy. And so I just find myself, it's an unavoidable thing for me to pick this song, even though I tried not to pick it. So, Kevin, would you like to go with the track you mentioned before, or have you changed your mind? Yeah, I think I gotta say Piper is probably my favorite one on the album. It kind of feels the most close to me in a weird way, but also the most removed because it was, you know, like I was explaining how we how we developed the ending of the song and the big climax, the big crescendo, was something really unexpected and spontaneous that I was so excited about. You know, I think it's the one track that I am most excited about on the album when I when I listen back start to finish that's the one track i'm most proud of just yeah i like how i wrote the melody and how the lyrics work and the sort of feeling behind it and just being able to use like an iphone recording of this organ that was at my partner and like really close friends apartment you know it just it feels the most special to me i think i think that's the one i'm most excited for people to hear and react to well, Kevin, we just thank you so much for joining us and graciously answering our questions. We know you sacrificed a lot of your time to talk with us, and we just both extremely appreciate you as an artist. We just can't stress enough how cool of an experience this was for us and just how incredible you were on the interview, and we're just so appreciative for that. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, I love doing different shit like this. Interviews are great. I love being interviewed because I have a huge ego and I love talking <laughs> Um, no, you just love deferring credit to Ben. <laughs> yeah, I love deferring credit wherever I can. Yeah, thank you guys so much. This is really fun. So just a reminder, Kevin's touring full hand between March 12th and May 3rd. So please check his tour schedule to see if he'll be in your area or even if he's not in your area. Find a Greyhound or get a plane ticket and go see him. Get some tickets, support this dude, order merch, order the record. Yeah, just thanks again, Kevin. We really appreciate it. Right on. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks so much for listening to part two, our track-by-track breakdown with Kevin Crowder. That was a lot of fun. Kevin was just so nice and so willing to share so many different details and just so generous with each answer. So we thank him for joining us. Make sure you reach out to Kevin and just thank him for giving his time so we can all know full hand a little bit better. So we're hoping you're enjoying the album. Make sure that you're supporting Kevin in every way that you possibly can. So make sure that you're connected with us through our socials. We have Twitter and Instagram. So you can find us at Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at LDL Pod. And you can also find our email at longdistancelistening at gmail.com. So please email us because Nate 
likes emails so much and you would really make his day. And also make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast, that you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. That would be super helpful for us. We're a small podcast just trying to kind of bring great artists to light, such as Kevin Crowder. So make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast so you don't miss our other episodes that are coming. And feel free to check out our past episodes. If there's any artists that you know and like, check them out. And maybe some artists that you're not aware of that you might like as well. And make sure that you check out our track-by-track breakdown of Kevin Crowder's old album, Toss Up. It's a great album, and if you want more context for that as well, check out that old episode. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. This must be where pies go when they die.